Welcome to The Catalyst, a platform I created to engage with changemakers who are catalyzing impactful moments within their careers, communities, and countries. As such, I'm so incredibly excited to have with me today the dynamic sister duo, Marie and Maureen Bunky Griffin, who are industry legends within marketing, branding, and public relations, as well as media training, whose namesake company has worked with clients such as Star Beauty, Hermes, The Wall Street Journal, and many, many more. So thank you both for being here with me today. I am so incredibly lucky and grateful that you guys took the time out of your very busy schedules to come and meet with me. Thank, thank you, you for having us. Yes, yes. Nice, nice to be here. Thank you so much. My first question is going to be for Marie, who I met you during Harvard Undergraduate Women in Business's annual Intercollegiate Business Convention, which is a convention I helped create as I was part of the organization, or still am. And there you gave a very captivating talk about how we can all use our individual strengths as part of our catnip. But before we get into that and what catnip even is, I would love to learn more about the position that you currently hold at your namesake company and just your transition to your current industry. Like, I would love to know how does someone move from a Seventeen Magazine editor to becoming a legend within the space of marketing, communications, and public relations? Oh, thank you. Nice to, nice to be called a legend. <laughs> um, just two sisters who continue to work really hard all these years later. So how did we arrive here? I am the president and founder of Griffin Marketing and PR. I founded it, it will be 25 years in 2020, which I completely cannot believe. And the path here, and it's something what I talked about in the what you, What's Your Catnip talk at Harvard, Women in Business, was from a very young age, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to work for a magazine. It was like a just a straight line for me from a very young age. So that's where I began the process of identifying what my strengths were, even going back then. I had a scholarship to go to a business of fashion school called the Laboratory Institute of Merchandising. It's now called LIM College. And I did an internship in my freshman year, first semester, and it was at Seventeen Magazine. And it was, it was heaven for me. And that's when I talk about finding that, that place where you belong, where you belong with them and they belong with you. And it was a perfect fit. And at 17, I was a merchandising editor, became senior merchandising editor. And that was the side of the magazine where you went out on the road. So I did a 48 city tour. I also wrote the where to buy list, but I was on a 48 city tour representing the magazine for fashion shows, um, personal appearances, meet and greet with readers, doing radio, television, and basically representing the magazine on uh, externally. And from there, I went to a company named Promo Steel. And Promo Steel is the premier trend forecasting company based in Paris. So this was many years ago. So that was a time where they were able to predict trends two years in advance. Today with fast fashion, trends can be predicted in an hour. Trends could be knocked off in an hour. Um, so it was very different, but they predicted um, trends, fashion trends based on lifestyle trends, based on big picture. And that was an opportunity for me to think very wide. And we worked with an extremely wide range of clients going everywhere from Pepsi and North, I mean, not Pepsi, North Face and Levi's and Lauder, Estee Lauder and Carter baby clothes, big pens, because we predicted color, print, fabric, but all based on what people were doing. 
what was happening on uh, more of a social movement on trends. And I was there for quite a long time. I believe that at times in your career, you need to stay someplace for a considerable amount of time to really gain a lot of traction, understand the industry, understand who you are. And it was more of building up my strengths again, very strong in communication. And so I was consulting with clients. I was securing clients. I was interpreting global trends for the American market. So all of that was really continuing that that thread that was going through my professional life. And I started traveling to Paris twice a year for the fabric shows. We would meet, have meetings, little mini UN meetings with Promo Steel. And it was a very important time for me to learn a lot and absorb a lot of cultures and many different people. It was a fascinating experience. After that, I moved to California and I was still with Promo Steel, but I started a new business with um, a partner and it was called Popeye and we documented pop culture on, tr on video for fortune 500 corporations. Basically it was the early nineties. And in the early nineties, it was a very different time. Things like no social media existed yet. And they didn't even have reality TV yet with like MTV. Um, so all of that real world hadn't even started yet. So it was pre that. And we documented what was happening in every aspect of 18 to 34 year olds lives that were cutting edge. And we were able to take that information to chief CMOs, chief marketing officers in glass boxes that didn't get to go to the ink slingers ball when there was tattoo shows and they didn't see the emergence of snowboarding, taking over skiing. And they weren't able to see water and tea were taking over where soda um, and the beginning of the coffee houses and all of this activity. And that was a very important time for me as well, because then I expanded to the most valuable brands in the world. I went and secured Pepsi, Sony, Nike, Warner Brothers, the Democratic Party, anybody that was influencing what was happening for 18 to 34 year olds, how they spoke, what they wore, what they were interested in, how they were beginning monumental shifts Things have stayed the same for a, quite a bit of time. And this was the beginning of everything as you know it is no longer. So after that, that was then three more years, I decided to open up my own firm. And why I did it was I had never worked in PR, but I always had been the face. So I'd worked in PR from being the external person. I had also, I'd never worked for a PR firm. And I started a PR firm from None, none of the internal experience. And why I did that was because I wanted to, I'm going to turn down the volume on that for you both. What I wanted to do, I had a skill set that I could not find in a job. So I knew what I wanted to do. And, I, and it wasn't anywhere that I was looking. I knew that I had, I had worked in television. So I had experience working with producers and I understood how TV people worked. I also knew that I wanted to work with many different clients. I didn't want to go internally at a company. I knew that having worked at Promosteel and Popeye and even at 17 where everything, I had many different exposures, many different clients, many different interactions. I needed a lot of stimulation and I wanted to pick what I wanted to do and who I wanted to do it with. So it started at broadcast and my first clients were all hip hop 
uh, it was Vibe. Uh, Vibe Style had a music, sports, fashion show. And that's where I, oh my gosh, I had, that's when I first said, hey, why don't we, I was asked to work in marketing for the show. And I said, hey, why don't we have TV come and cover this? And TV went out the door, out the door of Javits. And I very quickly in that one experience with a client became known as the TV girl. Just called all the time. I would pick up the phone and people would say, I was told to call the TV girl. Are you the blonde TV girl, the tall blonde TV girl? I'd be like, yes, that's me. Not even by my name, just by the tall blonde TV girl. And um, I loved it. It was amazing. And from that, and I talk in the catnip talk about people are always observing you. Someone observed me. Allie Takeman saw me and said, hey, something called Fashion Week is starting. Would you like to you think you'd be great to do TV at Fashion Week. And as a result, I've now done TV for Fashion Week in New York and in Paris. I believe it's 48 seasons. So that's a lot of TV. That's a lot of seasons. It's a long time. And, um, and, I, and I loved it. So TV kind of started, for everybody that I put on television, I had to prepare them to go on TV. That's where the media training arm started. And, um, and that goes back to, we recently media trained a client that we was one of our first people that we media trained over 20 years ago. So it's pretty amazing. And what we did is, um, I was alone for the first 12 years of the, of the business before Bunk joined me. And I started becoming very well known for media training and it started not only for TV, can you get me ready for the New York Times, for the Wall Street Journal, for a speech? And now today, as things have grown, it was a long answer to a short question, but for where we are now, TV has changed a lot. TV, when I was doing television, was very organic, entirely relationship-based. It still has elements of that today, and I like to do very high-level television segments. But for the most, for there are some changes though now with paid integrations and it's not as, as pure as I enjoyed it to be. So at this point we do some television, but almost entirely we do media training now. And as the world has evolved, it's, can you media train me to speak in front of Congress? Can you media train me to prepare to, um, for internal purposes? Um, we're giving speeches, um, we're doing uh, podcasts. We're doing. We're on a panel. Everybody today has a voice. Everybody today is a personality. But then we also do it for the movie studios. So we get entire casts ready separately and together. We work with athletes, authors, CEOs. We say from ingenues um, and startups to legends and leaders, and that's basically who we work with in that space. So the catnip part of it, when we talk about it. The, a little bit later is think about that thread that's going through your life and through your career from an early stage and all those dots connect how I was able to start what Griffin marketing and PR was all of those things that I was doing up until then all came together in this perfect marriage. It all came together beautifully. And that's, that's the way things happen. But as long as you're in touch with who you are, what your strengths are, what you like, what makes you happy. That's where all that connects. And I couldn't be happier. And 12 years in, I was lucky enough to have Bunk join me. And that was just the best ever. And we love doing it. I mean, clients get the benefit of the triangulation when we work together. 
and they get different perspectives. Bunk and I are very similar. We dressed, we showed up dressed identically today. Um, we're incredibly similar, very complimentary, and also different. And that adds another layer to the work that we do with clients. So I hope that gave you a bit of a, it's a broad stroke for a lot of years of working, but that gives you a little bit of an idea of how I got to here. I love it. I love it. And you said that it was a long answer to a short question, but I think those are often good, right? Because I have learned very, very early is that it's very important to be clear and concise, right? And you can be concise in a long answer. But what I love about your answer, what I love about your story is that it's organic and not necessarily serendipitous, right? Because you were doing what you loved, you knew where you were going, but it's very authentic. And I think that's really important, especially what you talked about, how you have to be in touch with yourself and making sure you are doing things that not only appeal to your strengths, but you're also working on your weaknesses, which is what you help others do. It's kind of a right. type of thing, which I absolutely, absolutely love. And I just, I just love the journey. And that's one of the reasons why I created this podcast is just to hear people's journeys. They're quite similar, right? Mm -hmm. So I recently interviewed the vice president of Panama. And before that, I recently interviewed a YouTuber and an author, Sean Lester. And everyone's journeys had this, um, you know, I was doing what I loved. I was in the right place at the right time because I put myself there, right? Which I think is very much the story for both you and Bunky. And now switching over to Bunk, you hold the title of vice president at the yes. but you worked for six years as a design director for Ralph Lauren. And I'm curious, how has your journey been from fashion to now being vice president at your name for the company? Well, it's interesting because I think my story is, is most interesting to the catnip conversation later in the catnip conversation because it uh, my story takes a turn that had a lot to do with an unusual way of learning my catnip. Mm. So I think Marie speaking about catnip for a little while more can uh, make my, my story unfold in a more interesting way. It's a perfect segue. And Audrey, because I know you have read, and congratulations for interviewing the vice president of Panama. I'm the vice president. Thank you. She's incredible. She's incredible. Incredible. And so we're unbelievably honored to be here. I want to make sure that your readers know, uh, listeners know, that it's not all lollipops and unicorns and rainbows and and I loved it. Um, I did love 17. I mean, 17 was like, I remember walking in and just thinking, is this for real? Am I really? Is that Whitney Houston sitting on the couch in the lobby? I mean, it was, it was a pinch me moment all the time. And I traveled constantly. There's a lot of travel, weekend travel, but I absolutely adored every second. When I made the switch over to Promo Steel, Promo Steel came with um, an added bonus of you have to sell. And I was a star at 17 in the sense of my name was on marquees and I would show up and have, I wasn't the cover girl, but I'd travel with her. But even if she wasn't with me, it was people wanted to connect to me to be one step closer to the magazine. And I had to sell. I had, for all those clients that I got at Promo Steel, I had to sell. 
And I remember going in the elevator to different appointments. And in the beginning, I'm a total crybaby. I would cry. I'd cry in the elevator. And I'd be like, why did I do this? I can't believe it. I made a mistake. Why am I selling? And I was a really good salesperson. And I would walk in and the way I knew that I had the best product in the world. And I was very matter of fact about it. I was just, I was really um, bright and I knew what I was talking about. I knew I had the best thing and I was able to sit down and just walk someone through, be very methodical about trends and understanding. And I read a lot and I had a lot of knowledge and I made the sale every time. And that's something when I talk to students is that sometimes you have to do something that you don't like or that you don't think you're going to like to get you. I had to sell them to consult with them. And the, the get was me for me was I can't wait to consult with them, but I had to go get them first. So it's important that that become a factor that you may have to look beyond what's right in front of you and say, I know I need to get there, but I kind of have to take this way a little bit first. And just like starting your own business, I was offered many very senior positions that were incredibly high paying because of my experience at that point in my career and very secure. And I went totally out on a limb, just, I'm going to do my own thing, figure it out. And I took a great risk. So it all depends upon what you want in life and how you perceive things and how you're able to be resilient to do something that maybe you don't like to start something that's incredibly hard. But every morning we joke here is that at our office, our office is from the 1920s. So there's no elevator, but there's a staircase and there's an attorney at the top of the stairs. And all these years later, we're in the business, in this office, 21 years, he says, here she comes. Cause I run up the stairs. I mean, it's just, I can't wait to get here. We work with the most fascinating people in the world from scientists to sustainability experts to people leading the way in cannabis to movie stars rock stars it's it's really it's amazing and i had a vision for that and i knew though that i had to go through some things to get there but it all depends upon if you not to do everything so fast you have to kind of you know it's careers are not sprints they're marathons and sometimes bunk and i will say like we're on the 26th mile going around Central Park for like the 90th time. But that's how you have to kind of look also at, at a career is that it's, it definitely is a journey and a journey that we're still on. It's a lot of fun. I love that. I love that. There's also been this trend like you, I do read a lot too. There's also been this trend of millennials just not staying at positions long enough, right? So you're there for two years, then you leave. You're there for somewhere else, then you leave, right? So I love what you're saying about you really should be somewhere for a long period of time, not only to get traction, right, but to get expertise. Because as you mentioned, it's your expertise that you were selling, right? You had you were thoughtful yes. about it. You knew exactly what you knew, but you knew what you knew because you had expertise, because you were somewhere for such a long time. And I and I love that. I love that because it's just so against what we're seeing right now, especially with millennials. And for the research of this episode, I spend a lot of time on the website, which I love, by the way. Oh, thank you. And there's a quote on the website that says, every memorable impression begins with your catnip, right? And I would love to talk about exactly what catnip is, like, like exactly how you define it, but more than, or after that, also talk about 
why you created it in the way you did, right? So why did you make it a lecture and a seminar? Why did you package it particularly for university students? Because as you said, you've been working with such esteemed brands and really interesting people, right? Why, the t why take the time out to also talk to young people, you know, the university students? Mm -hmm. So at Griffin Marketing and PR for all these years, working with, as I said, the most valuable brands in the world and the most electrifying personalities. We've worked with major stars. And what we have found is regardless of where somebody is in their career, whether as we may have a CEO, but we also may have a makeup artist assigned with a brand that's also a star in their own right, is that everyone still struggles with identifying the absolute exact kind of what where the magic is, what the catnip is, whether they're not able to put words to it specifically or identify it as carefully. It's so catnip are your strengths and qualities that are entirely unique to you that give you an advantage. So if they're, catnip is always quick. They're decisions, like every decision you make from what restaurant you're gonna go to, to what jeans you're gonna buy, to what song you're gonna listen to on the radio, on the, on the radio, on, on um, when you're in the car, on your iTunes. It, when you switch, it's all like, it's all catnip. It's quick, it's memorable, and it's unmistakable. Many people, when I did it at Harvard, can identify it with stars very, very quickly. Even when I speak about charisma, which charisma is a whole lot of magic of mixing warmth and power and presence. But what I want to emphasize for students is that every single person has catnip, no matter who you are. It's not about being the fastest, skinniest, richest, tallest, smartest. It's about although some people do get their catnip because of that. Um, it's because it's that unique combination maybe for some, for some students. Um, and why we created it specifically for students is that it's absolutely imperative that you know what your strengths and qualities are, your unique strengths and qualities that are only for you because it's your responsibility. You can't really be out in the world just kind of floundering around and hoping a company identifies what your catnip is for you. That's not their job. That's your job. It makes you accountable. It makes you responsible. And ultimately, it makes you really happy because that's where you, you know who you are. Knowing who you are is powerful. And you can only achieve really great things in your life and in your career when you really deeply know who you are, because that's the navigation system. That's intuition. That's what's driving your bus. You and know, catnip, am I, and catnip grounds you. Yes. Catnip grounds you. And that's what we've always done with clients. Bunk and I ground clients so they can grow. That's exactly what we do. When we, they come to us, they're parts that are kind of spinning around and everything needs to be centered and focused and so catnip grounds clients so they can grow. And on the same side, knowing your catnip grounds you. It really makes you solid. It makes you know who you are, what you want, where you want to go, what's right for you. That doesn't mean that you don't experiment. You could try something and say, just wanted to try that to see if that's where I was going. We have an older sister who was going to um, school for speech and um, left because everyone said you should be going into business, left schools, transferred, went into business, 
to find out that she didn't want business and went back to speech. So everybody has their unique path. Um, so that's why we created it for students is to give them a head start to start this process of thinking about it. So it really is several parts. The first is that you have to, we help them identify in these talks what your catnip, begin the cultivation of it, and then begin so that you can communicate and articulate exactly with great clarity. So let's say that you're in a room, it's like I talk about um, catnip like central casting. You're casting for a movie, why you? How does all that come together? Why you, why them? Why are those things the things that come together in a very perfect way? So we did it specifically for students for this idea of start having conversations, conversations with yourself, like really deep internal conversations. What am I really good at? What do I really like? What do I really want to do? And also for, um, I did it for, for that person and to have conversations that are external because we can ask somebody what their catnip is in crickets. Some people have absolutely no idea. They know, but they just don't want to say it. I think that that's another piece of the equation. But they ask somebody else, and you think, oh, I didn't realize. Oh, that's what you see as my strength. That's an interesting thing. And the um, there was another part of this. Sorry, there's so much to share with you. We could spend three days. Like even when I was there um, in speaking um, – and speaking, of, oh, the other thing here about catnip. We work with a lot of startups and a lot of students are interested in starting up businesses. And the, the VCs, the people who are going to give you the money for that business, they invest in catnip. You have to know exactly who you are and exactly what your brand is all about. Or, and you have seconds to do it or they move on. You have a very, very tiny window to explain with absolute clarity who you are, what you want to do, who your customer is. All of that has to be very, very tight. So that's another part of it. And what and, sets you apart. And it, it's what sets you apart. Like why do we need another T-shirt company, sneaker company, cosmetic company? Why do we need any of these? And you've got to be able to identify that very, very quickly so that – that's how you get the money. That's what they're investing in. They're investing in that clarity. So you're, it's your responsibility. It's your role. And that is another piece of why we thought that that would be important. And just when you're out in the world, students need to begin this process. It really helps. Something that I also want to talk about that may help students or anyone who's listening is when I decided to start my own business, it was a time where there was, you couldn't get, look for a job online. Jobs were um, in the newspaper. So let's say it was the New York Times. I didn't apply necessarily to any of those New York Times jobs. I've been referred very gratefully for all the positions that I've gotten um, all my, throughout my career. But I started reading the New York Times job listings just to see like how they were describing different things. And I went and got a big stack of Post-its and a Sharpie and I started writing down because I knew exactly what I wanted Griffin Marketing and PR to be. And I started writing down all my catnip. I wrote my catnip way 20 years, 25 years before, 23 years, because catnip's two years old. I ever came up with this, I put it all on a wall. Everything that I wanted to do, everything I was really good at, all my strengths, then I put on the other side of the wall all the things I didn't want to do. 
all the things that didn't resonate with me. To this day, I'm, Griffin is still the only PR firm in New York, I don't know, maybe anywhere else, that only specialized in television. We didn't do any print. We didn't do any events. We didn't do so many things that PR firms do. We were only TV. And still, and we, that was a, an amazing part of this journey was the work that we've done in television, doing CBS Sunday morning segments for Hermes and for uh, Tom Shoes and traveling to Ethiopia and doing a shoe drop and doing the story of Betsy Johnson and did, oh my gosh, so many things with Carolina Herrera that were fascinating. Bunk and I were retained by Sam Rio Hello Kitty for 18 years. And that's another honor being on a retainer with a client for that many years and working with an incredible in-house team, handling everything from all the celebrity relationships to all the broadcast to working with them on co-brands because Bunk and I come with so much experience and going back to the trend forecasting, marketing, um, communications, PR, branding. So we come with like a real wealth of knowledge and many, many years in this space. And that's why I was able to put up on a board and how I wanted to piece it all together and the range of even clients that I wanted to have and how I envisioned this business. So that's a part of catnip and Bunk will explain something when we talk about catnip, um, about her perception of how some people can identify what their catnip is. But I hope we explain what catnip is. So catnip is that just immediate quick that you can say, name any one of your friends, a professor, someone famous, someone in your family. And I can assure you like a catnip comes like really fast. So it can be a personality trait. It could be a skill set. It can be certain characteristics, your interests, how it, maybe it's where you grew up and the language that you spoke with paired with the interests that you have today. When I spoke at, um, at Stanford. That's how it all came to be is a friend who went to Stanford. Mostly the people who speak at Stanford went to Stanford. I didn't go to Stanford. A friend from Stanford said, you should speak at Stanford. And that's when we created what's your catnip because of the, Oh my gosh, we're going to speak at Stanford. And we knew that we were kind of putting this thing together about identifying who you are. And when I spoke at Stanford, oh, what an opportunity that was to between Stanford and Harvard, it's been a whole lot of magic. And several students came up and said, I'm interested in everything. It really has me concerned because how am I ever going to get through four years? One, I'm exhausted because I go to everything, see everything, do everything, everything. On the other side, I have to start, I have to start narrowing down. And one of the students was a, this is very common, medical students that are also have very strong musical skills, musical talent. And this one student, he was um, the, the, came from a family, his parents were, she had, he had many cultures. He was very multicultural. Lots and lots of cultures alone were really interesting. And his story was really interesting. So he decided that what he wanted to do was take his, he was going to be the music doctor. So he would take music and build it into his practice in communities to make medicine something that was very positively received. And he did all kinds of things where he incorporated music into, that was his plan. And that's what we talked about quite a bit because it was quite overwhelming for him to have all these different interests. And so he started doing, we keep in touch. 
started doing internships and started putting together programs in communities that he thought music and medicine together could create that would be his his catnip and he would become like they called me are you the tv girl it would be when they call him you know the music doctor it all depends in fact even there was um many students from harvard have kept in touch too and there was one student from bu a boston university a jewelry designer student athlete who said um hers is her persistence and determination that she brings as an entrepreneur, providing solutions for Muslim women facing adversity. So she was developing products for women that in Muslim women that she thought could really benefit them. She identified with them, she understood them. So she took her personality traits, the skill set that she has, and identified very specifically a community, a customer that would benefit from those. So her catnip is many things put together. Others, like when I speak about mine, mine is, is trust. And that's kind of a very simple thing. But I think when you say the name Griffin, people trust that I'll do a really good job and I'll be really prepared and I won't let anybody leave us that's not ready to go out into the world. And I'll email you and text you and call you and make sure everything is okay. And I'm trusted for the knowledge that I have and the skill that I bring to what I do. So mine, I believe is that other people I've asked people mine, they're like down to earth, um, different, but I think maybe the down to earth comes with the truth. I don't think you can be honest if you're not down to earth. You need, that's the grounding, always going back to the grounding and being a solid, it's solid. And when you were talking about students that kind of hop around, Every career path is different and every, um, let's say they're, they're technical people, they may need to move faster to go to the next technology as they advance in their career. But the grounding happens. I don't believe you can be really solid and fully understand businesses. Like let's say you're even in the marketing department of a company and you're there for a year. You've barely seen a cycle of what was even decided together as a group of what a company is going to do for marketing or a collection or new product launch or whatever it is. It takes a year to get something off and going. So I think the grounding part, and I think people would definitely identify me and Bunk as people who are solid, right? very grounded in what we do. Yeah, no, that's, that's just incredible. And, and there's so much, there's so much to unpack there. I think particularly how hard it is for some people to identify what their cabinet is and what you said, how it's easier when you're talking about celebrities and how you relate to celebrities, right? Like I could tell you like in five, three words, exactly how everybody, right. Exactly how I see myself. But I think so much more easily I could say, you know, I consider myself part Kamala Harris, part Naomi Campbell and part Rihanna. And you kind of just like, there's, that's created with those three with those three women, which I think is very much me. We could find you in a room with that. Yes. Like exactly. if somebody said, go, we, we do this with brands. We go, so if we cut out your, they all go to explain a brand with all the same basic language. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, we're going to cut out all the tags of, of everything, all your identity in, in that way. And we're going to put you in 
a large room, sadly, like on the floor of Barney's. Barney's, no more Barney's. Okay, we'll put you in Bergdorf's. We'll put you anywhere. Bloomingdale's, Saks. Every label is cut off. And then we're going to send people in and say, go find you. Mm. And based on the description you just gave about you, we could find you in a room with that. So maybe it's using other people, but that's how clearly you understand catnip in the perception of how you perceive what it was, Naomi, Rihanna, and who? Uh, Kamala Harris. Oh, and Kamal Harris. Oh my gosh. Okay. So <laughs> that's how people, that's amazing. That's powerful. You got to yeah. get out with that. Woo. Um, it's how you were so lightning fast, able to identify it in other people and how you were so smart to say, I have some of her, I have some of her, I have some of her. And now look at what are those things? What is it about Kamala? What is it about Naomi? What is it about Rihanna? So this could be then the breaking down part. What are those qualities that each of the three have? Then where do you see those qualities running through your life, through your career? Because that works for you and your friends, but let's say you're out in the job going to look for a job and to walk in and say, you got me, I'm a little bit Kamala, I'm a little bit Rihanna, and I'm a little bit Naomi. Right. And they probably wonder, I wonder which one we're going to get today. Is today <laughs> Naomi Day? Um, but it's identifying those specific traits and qualities and skill sets that each one of them have, and then start looking at you, what you've been doing up till now. I mean, what you study, what your internships are, what your vision for you, what you want to do in your life, what makes you really happy. They say that it's like between seven ages, seven and 11 is like that joy point. It was interesting. Bunk and I were talking yesterday. I'll go home and I'll watch Netflix, Bill Gates brain. Bunk will go home and watch King of Queens <laughs> TV show. King of Queens or everybody loves Raymond. I need that. I need humor in my life. I need humor in my day. Uh, I have to, it's integral to, to me feel, feeling good and fulfilled. Bunk is the funniest person I know. And, <laughs> and totally, I, we, we laugh almost the entire day. So the thing about that is that is a place where that 7 and 11, you're totally like relaxed. You're in your zone. What were you doing in that zone? And I believe that, especially for students like Harvard, Stanford, students anywhere at a community college, overbooked. When you're so overbooked, it doesn't give you that time to just go inside and like, look at like, what are the books you go to read and what's the music that you really like and what do you gravitate towards and kind of who, who are you and what do you like and what are you all about? And where do you kind of see yourself, see changes? It's just a very interesting part. So I think you have to go to that. And I can almost guarantee you there are parts of you between seven and 11 that had a little Naomi, a little Kamala and a little bit of Rihanna. I guarantee you. Oh, no, absolutely. I think I was, I want to say, I, it could not have been second grade, maybe fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Somewhere uh -huh. then I told my mother and my parents that, oh no, I want to go to Harvard. Like, I think that I was that young and had already decided that for myself. So I think that's where the Kamala comes in. And with the Naomi, I, I used to want to be a fashion stylist. And my parents were like, we're not paying for that. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll be <laughs> and then with the Rihanna, it's like, 
I mean, it's Rihanna, you know, that essence, but mm -hmm. it's, there's so much about catnip. And I think it's so fundamental because at its core, you're telling your current clients and your future clients that we want to help you get more in tune with yourself because that navigation system is going to be what's going to guide your life. Right. And your brand. Yes. Guide so even brand. if you're an actress in a movie, the interesting thing when we work with talent in that way is they may be promoting a movie that's in one genre, but that was two years ago when they wrapped that movie and they've already done two movies since and the genres have changed. And that's the interesting dance that Bunk and I do with, if you want to talk about it as catnip, um, how they are able to promote the film that they were in and with great pride and that's their responsibility and joy making that movie. But who are that? Who are they as actors, as themselves in this world now going into other roles? So there's this interesting marriage between who you are personally, who you are playing those roles, how your career is evolving, and balancing that all out. Or let's say a makeup artist representing a brand. Makeup artists are now celebrities in their own right with huge followings married with a brand and how do you maintain brand integrity and keep the core values of the brand and marry those with a superstar that you brought in to work with that brand? How do you bring them both together and don't allow one to dilute at all? And putting the two together makes it the ultimate arrangement, the ultimate collaboration. So that's a lot of the balance that we do. Right. And speaking about ultimate arrangements, I want to talk about Funky. I want to talk yes. about you were previously at Ralph Lauren, right? Before you transitioned. I did. I actually, um, when I was growing up and going to school, I knew from age five, I wanted to be an artist. I mean, there was, there was no doubt in my mind that that's what was going to happen. And I went through, uh, Grammar school, high school, I painted all the murals uh, on the school's walls. Um, I went to uh, a state university and majored in studio art and painting and sculpture and drawing. And I had always assumed that I would have this New York City Soho loft artist gallery life. And when I got to college, I was criticized by my, um, you know, constructive criticism by my professors, but criticism just the same, that my art was too pretty, that I used conventionally pretty colors, that I, um, my work was too balanced, um, sometimes predictable, and not emotional enough. I wasn't I wasn't ugly crying, so to speak, as a feeling artist would. And, and it devastated me for a bit. It really did. And I tried to paint more emotionally, more um, uh, I don't know, I'm trying, I'm struggling to find the world, but uh, more, more emotionally. And it always felt put on. And I was always most satisfied with the work that I felt to be beautiful. And so Marie had a painting of mine in her office uh, when I was still in college. And one of her fashion clients uh, came in for trend forecasting. 
and saw the painting and she was a scarf designer. And she said to Marie, you know, I would, I would love to meet the artist. And Marie said, well, it's my sister and she's still in college, um, but she'll be home for Easter break and let's put you two together. And I went to meet her to discuss the sale of the painting. And by the end of the meeting, I was offered a job. So I had a job as an assistant scarf designer waiting for me when I graduated on Saturday, I started work on Monday. And so everything that I, had I been listening with an open and optimistic mind, I would have heard my professors tell me that basically I was a, a wonderful commercial artist. I could make beautiful things for fashion that would be very popular and women would want to buy. And, uh, and men, I also did it for men. And so what I ended up becoming for 25 years was a print design director. And I would design all the prints for scarves and fabrics. So when I say I'm a designer, I don't know how to sew, um, but I, I understand how to create fabrics for clothing, home goods, accessories, and so on. And I was lucky enough within a year of working to be offered a job as the design liaison to Ralph Lauren scarves. And I learned 90% of what I learned about color uh, was from Ralph Lauren and Buffy Bellertella at Polo Ralph Lauren. And they gave me an incredible education, but it also came quick. I knew it, it was part of my catnip. Part of my catnip was understanding, I had a sixth sense for color, and I could look at a line drawing for a scarf design, and I could color it in my mind with as much as 27 colors, and understand what colors look good next to each other, and how it would come out. I could do it entirely in my mind, put it down on paper, send it off to Italy, and it would come back printed, and it wouldn't need any corrections. And so that's when I realized, yeah, it was, it, that, was that was my gift. And that's absolutely a, a huge part of my catnip is I am extremely um, in tune with my senses. I listen to music differently than other people listen to music. Um, I, I see the world, I know that I see the world differently. I see animals differently. Um, if, if I were to be, you know, you were talking about your three personalities, I would most closely identify with Steven, Steel, Steven Spielberg from an, he observes the world in such an incredible way in everything from acting to visionary to music, he's able to put it all together in his mind because he has such highly refined senses. I would say it would be Steven Spielberg, Fred Rogers, to his totally. Mr. Rogers, <laughs> Fred Rogers, <laughs> totally. and, and Dr. Doolittle. Those are yes! my- that's bad. Oh my God. So just think a client gets that when we walk in the room. Yeah. I mean, 
That's amazing. Funk, that's so true. Those are spot on. on. Yes, spot they are. But, on. Um, and it leads you to wonderful places. It gives you knowing that and knowing how you're wired and where you're grounded and what your catnip is, it leads you to make amazing choices. Now, you know, I worked in as, as textile designer for 25 years and working at Polo Ralph Lauren was amazing having access to Ralph for as many hours a week as I did was just a complete gift because I was able to learn from this magnificent mind um, for hours at a time every week. But when it came to 25 years in, I knew how to do what I did. And the challenge wasn't there anymore. So when I left Ralph Lauren, I was offered many other design positions that I turned down because I felt in my mind I'd been at the pinnacle. I really worked at the best level. I worked on Ralph Lauren collection runways. I did unbelievable work for so long, but it was time for a new challenge. And Marie had always wanted me to come work with her. And I knew that Marie was fulfilled in such an incredible way because of the range of our clients. Because of the range of our clients, we can have a, a greatest of all time athlete on a Monday, a chef on a Wednesday, an actor on Saturday, and a glass blower on the following week. And it's every time I meet someone, it, um, it feeds my creativity. It feeds my need to be around stimulating people, creative people. Um, it feeds that whole Mr. Rogers, let's meet these people in our neighborhood, you know, uh, because it's, it's always fascinating. And I also get to be creative now with camera because I do all the videotaping and editing of our clients uh, for their re reference. And uh, it's just been, it's been a wonderful ride. So there are definitely different ways you can take your catnip in dramatically different roles, but the thread remains the same. The thread remains the same since I'm five years old. I'm the same person, just a, just a taller, just taller, <laughs> taller with a bigger head, <laughs> taller with a bigger head. But uh, oh, that's so I, I always wanted yeah. Bunk to join me, always. And I used to joke when I would go and meet her at Ralph, and I'd you know walk through the hallway, and I'd say, "Ralph, I'm coming to get her." And <laughs> um, and to have Bunk, the other th element that Bunk adds to our clients is we work with so many creative people, and you need other creative people with other creative people in the sense too that many very creative people are working with their hands are working with you know working visually they're not working with their mouth they're not working with words they're not working with language but they all need to today so when i'm there with bunk and it's always that dance of finding like the very the perfect nuance of words to choose for somebody that's struggling in that way because bunk has the gift of words plus the gift of all the visual all that and bunk also has an amazing gift with reference 
Bunk is able to spot on. I tried on a jacket yesterday that I thought, oh, it's going to be so cute for a cold to walk the dog. And I said, oh, no. I said, it just looks. Bunk, I turned to Bunk and Bunk said, to South Park. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I said, you look like Kenny from South Park. I mean, it just. <laughs> so somebody else may say, like, it was too. It was and it was a thousand dollar coat, but <laughs> sorry, you look like Kenny from South Park. And the only bunk could do that. And you and clients get it like immediately, like any reference a bunk could ever make is just kind of like, it takes out 200 words and gets to one because it's like spot on. And then once you know something's too South Park, it's like, it's going back in the box. It's back in the box, <laughs> right at the account. There it goes. And I was just able to put it on and be like, mm, no. And I, before I even had it off, we're in the office, <laughs> bunk turns, which is like South Park. Um, it's so, so funny. But that's, yeah, that is a gift. And that was actually going to be another question of mine. You have such, and this is directed at Bunk, you have such, you know, extensive experience and expertise in terms of just like fashion. You have this like your gift in terms of colors and design. My question to you is when it comes to catnip and when it comes to creating, you know, a very memorable first impression, how can people do that with their clothing, right? There's that saying is you wear your clothes, your clothes cannot wear you. Like from the clients that you've seen, from the recommendations that you've given them, when it comes to what you wear to make an excellent first impression, what's what's your advice? Like, what do you tell your clients? Well, it's very funny because Marie and I have uniforms that we wear with our clients. We wear a uniform of either head to toe black or head to toe navy, solid colors, because we want all of the attention to be on the client. We want to walk into spaces and be completely neutral to them. No, no we work in a completely white office. Yes. Everything is white, completely white. And it's a bare, clean space for them. There's no identity here. We keep it all the identity on who's ever in this space at any given time. Because clothes are such an incredible expression of self and identity. And uh, anything that we wear that could be distracting, build old florals or neon colors or crazy shoes. Um, no, it's all about them. And so uh, we're very aware of what can uh, make or break an impression. And uh, a lot of times we've had to, in media training, we've had people in our offices for as long as a week where we do head to toe consultations on uh, everything from your appearance to sound to dress to haircuts. Uh, some people need that. Some people need a head-to-toe uh, makeover in addition to going under the hood. Some people really need help shining up the car. Right. We have to go under the hood to get all those gold nuggets out, to go and dig deep, and then you know, I think there are misconceptions about what media training is. Bunk and I have for a long time looked for other words to describe what we do because it's so much, much, much more than media training. It is all around communication. Sometimes we're called in when two departments can't communicate. It could be that. It can be, you know, PR and a designer just can't seem to get it right. There's something wrong. And we're not HR, but HR calls us. And it works great because... Everything is kept under lock and key here. No one is 
in any vulnerable situation, and we're able to navigate ways and find solutions about how people can communicate together. So sometimes it's communicating on their own to be out, be able to go out and speak in all these different places. Other times it's internal communications. Um, some of our clients may not even be necessarily speaking, and we've trained CFOs to do reports on on the phone. I mean, even for the quality of their voice and how they sound, um, all kinds of things. No, that is so important. And I remember, I remember, I like learned about this sometime in high school when I, I believe it was when JFK was running for president, and I forgot who his running mate was. I think it was Nixon, right? I, I don't know, but like. They had a debate, right? And they said, if you heard it on the radio, the other guy won. But if you watch TV, JFK won to what you're talking about. He was tan. Right, you're right. He was young. He was tan. It was, that's why today, look at even in social media, you could see every aspect of a presidential candidate's life now and and what resonates with, with whom and how, but the voice Wow, voice and energy. We speak a lot about energy because ener catnip is energy too. You have energy attached to your catnip. How you, how you, what you bring into a space, even just your physical energy, but then add in how you speak. And there are clients that we're working with, um, one in particular this week, who the, the urgency around her message in the environment is like a 22 on a scale of one to 10. Her voice quality is about a one. Mm. And when she starts to understand how mismatched, Bunk and I also create congruence. Congruence is what allows everything to ground. So that's incongruent. You can't be, there can't be a fire in a room and you're yelling fire, fire, fire. No, you've got to bring, you've got to match the energy. And that's why, I really admire performers because it is so hard what they do every day when they perform. Let's say it's Rihanna concert, the energy that she has to bring every time she performs is so high and it's got to be matched and how you resonate with, with people and with customers and with bosses and with everyone is when it all kind of comes together. That's authentic. That's true. You can't be, mismatched everything's got to come together that's all that part of the grounding work because when there every when there are things that are off you can't create trust trust only comes when all this comes together and it all makes sense and trust is extremely important for media training um politicians because they are in positions where they have to in some cases they have to motivate in some cases, they have to console, um, and they need to have all aspects of their personality have to be appropriate to the task at hand. And so we go in and we ground people in their personalities, in their message, in their tasks, and uh, the appropriate tone for the occasion creates trust. Mm -hmm. So watch the, watch the debates. How often are you going to hear somebody say, I can't listen to that voice for the next four years and make decisions about voice. It's watch what just kind of observe, be in a room with a lot of people watching. And it's just like, I can't, no, I can't. Or how 
all kinds of things come up around voice, age, energy, health. Um, I'm definitely congested today and I can feel it. So this is going to come across as nasally today. I know that um, for sure, but that's a, definitely a consideration. And today you may be doing a lot of your interviews for work by video or by phone instead of in person. And that's something really kind of new in the past. Everybody was seen. And so how you come across your voice quality, have somebody record you, record yourself, have somebody shoot a video of you when you're getting ready for things and say, wow, I didn't notice that I do such goofy things with my hand or when I'm really stressed, I touch different parts of my body, let I rub my neck and you're giving away a lot of signals. There's a lot of body language work that we do as well because everything is sending a message. How you speak, what you say, the tone you have, how you're, what you're doing. People always say that media training is just, what are you doing with your hands? No, it's not about standing there trying to figure out what to do with your hands, but what are your hands telling us about your, your honesty and your stress? And they give, they just give things, they give things away. Stroking hair a lot. Right, right. Everything has a tell. And my, my last question to the both of you is, you know, as you mentioned, we are currently in a world that is just changing, right, in so many different ways. And our sense of community is just constantly being tested over something or another. And so when it comes to the work you do with catnip, and you guys are both in an industry that is fundamentally about connecting people, right? You talk a lot about connection, a lot about communication. So my question to you is, how do you see people using their catnip? So how do you see people first learning their own internal navigation system as a way to better relate to others? And what is the importance of connection, not only in terms of a professional setting, but also personal setting, right? Because you both have a professional life and a personal life. So in the work that you do, as nuanced and as vast as it is, it's fundamentally about connection and making sure you're sending the right message. So how do you see that? How do you see people using those messages that they implicitly and explicitly send out as a way to better relate to others? It's an excellent question. It's an excellent question. It has also a lot of a lot of ways that I can go in the answer. Let's look at one of working in a group. So let's say that you're in a job where you work with a lot of other people. You're in an office. And understanding it's like a sport. It's like a team. A really highly functioning, productive, successful group working together works in the sense of being united in, in some way. So with that in mind, I want you to think about, so I'll take myself for example, my role in a group, I've always known that I like to own in its entirety, one specific piece and be fully responsible and deliver at a thousand percent. So I want to bring that to the group. Some other people may want to lead the group. I'm not there. I don't care about leading the group. I don't want to be the boss. I don't want to be any of that. I want, I very much just want to own my piece and come in and be the best in that particular space and work around everybody else. Somebody may want, somebody may be support and they know that that's a strength of theirs. Somebody may be highly organizational. Somebody may add the creative arm, the, all these different, like, look, the next time that you're in a group together working on a project, think of it as a team and what is every, how did you build that team 
and how is it running like the finest machine based on everybody's strengths. So if you were in a group and you're, let's say you're hiring and you're making decisions about who you need, what's that team player that you're missing? Think of it as sport. What's, what is that, what's missing from that team so that when you all get on a field, it's like kaboom, it's great. It's a, all packaged together. So that's the way I'm kind of like working with a group. Bunk, what do you want to say while I think of more? Anything in particular? You know, not, not to add to that. I think I'd like for you to expand on that a little bit expand more. Expand on that a little bit more. That would be more, okay. Well, let's look at a bunch of things. So let's say that you are interviewing. When I was at 17, we knew that literally down in the lobby, there were people who wanted our jobs. Like there could be a waiting line for people who wanted to be an editor at 17. So let's say all of them came upstairs, 15, 15 young women and maybe men come upstairs for an interview. They're all in the lobby. They're all going for the same job, knowing who you are, knowing what you can bring. And it's not that you walk in and say, you know, I'm all that and I'm ready to do anything, but that you can identify specifically. It's not enough to just say, oh, I love fashion. Oh, I love 17. Mm -hmm. Oh, this would be really fun. And I have a great closet and I dress really well. Well, if you're going to be the stylist, that maybe could be a benefit. Or if you want to run the fashion closet, there's a fashion closet at magazines. Maybe that could work well, but just to go in and say, I love fashion. I love makeup. Well, what are you good at? Are you good at application? Are you good about writing about makeup and fashion? Are you good about someone like me being very external in the world, taking messages and out and communicating about them? In the case of bunk, to walk in and say, I'm an expert colorist. That is like absolute ownership. I am that. It changes everything about you. It gives you confidence. It gives you a real, they know who they're getting. They don't have to guess around. Somebody who's hiring doesn't have to think, oh, wow, I wonder if she's a color expert or maybe she'll prove herself to be a color expert. But if you really are that and you open up a portfolio and show color expert, you know exactly who you are. And maybe it's part of your story. Um, I'm trying to think of different examples where I didn't want to go back to um, it's, it's even, I got a blowout this morning. Who gets a blowout for a podcast? I did. Uh, we have a birthday party after this tonight too. And there would have 300 people were coming through this family owned business today, 300 people, customers. And I have been, had a blow dry from most every single person in that salon and every single blow dry stylist hairstylist that does blow dry has their own style. They could just say a name and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I got Danny Lynn conversation. I know exactly what we're going to talk about. I know exactly how fast she is. I don't have to say a word. I don't have to direct anything and how her style is. And I can put words right to her. And that even, that even helps as the salon builds out who they have in there and how it all works and who's a little bit different, who takes longer, who's really fast, who does it in a way that's, I don't know. I mean, we're using really kind of light things, but like more uptight versus looser or who's sexier or 
all of those kinds of things. So even from getting a blowout, there's catnip. And all, mm-hmm. those, all those girls, when they're assigned somebody who's free, they know the, who's going to fit with who and how this works. Who's going who's gonna to get you in and out in 10 minutes? That could be her catnip. She's the girl. You have, you have 15 minutes, Marie. We've got you. We can get you out fast versus somebody who's going to take longer and is more of a perfectionist or whatever. But it could be catnip even down to who can get me in and out of here fast and who has that skill set that I want. Is this answering your question? I mean, I know it's kind of very broad, but it is like casting. When you go and cast for a movie, you're prepared. Somebody may not have expected this person to be in that role. Name name any movie that you would have seen. Going up for Joker. Look how many people that they could have maybe considered. Who could be the Joker? You know what I mean? When they're looking around of who's going to be the best person. And if Joaquin came in and completely embodied that level of Joker, and it's the preparation. It's about he didn't only know himself and what he was capable of doing, but he also knew what he could do with that character. It's very much the same in a, in in the work world. That you there when we worked with Betsy Johnson, every single employee was a Betsy Johnson girl. The fun thing about how I am is I'm very chameleon. And one day during Fashion Week, I would do Carolina Herrera at 10 a.m., where just organization, people in a line, crews behaving absolutely perfectly, pretty much silent, very well organized, and very respectful. The next one door, all I had to do was close one door and open the next door. It was Betsy Johnson. Oh my gosh, it was noon. There was champagne pouring from the ceiling, balloons, Twizzlers, M&Ms, Betsy doing cartwheels. It was a party. Nicki Minaj. Everybody was in there. It was just like, what? And that's what we would go. So see their catnip, their catnip was separated by one door and somebody could just say, they're all designers. No, Mrs. Herrera is Mrs. Herrera. Betsy is Betsy. And then later we'd do Max Azria. And that was a BCBG. That was a whole other thing whereby Max made lots of the stars, the star. So getting ready at a Max Azria show, it would be like, here's, and Britney Spears is coming in and, oh, everybody. He had a big front row where it was all about, look how I'm designing for, for women all over the world, but I also have these, these ambassadors that really represent what this brand is all about. They could have been up and coming. They could have been established. But we would do three shows in a day, take a lot of time. We're there three hours before hour to execute. We're about at each show for five hours. So 15 hours straight of working with a hundred TV crews a day at the height of fashion. And look how different they were just between doors from one to the other. Then you go to Paris fashion week and it's a whole other experience, like a museum. It's, it's something else entirely. It's not the Betsy Johnson party. It's much more contained and controlled and French and different. So those are all catnips. There's catnips all day long when editors are making decisions about which designer shows they're going to pick to go to. There's, there's all these nuances and who's that new one and what do we want to see over here? And it's usually only a word. Remember I said catnip is quick, memorable, 
and unmistakable. Hmm. So it, there are just the fastest words associated with somebody about why they're picking that one. Right. So the fastest you pick a brand is as fast as you're going to be chosen to join a company if there are many other candidates. And so I guess that is truly the closing lesson is when after you've done this internal work of really focusing on your own navigation system and you let that be your guiding principle, you then use that same internal navigation and in how you relate to others, right? So your ability to work your others, your ability to be able to connect with others, that's how you connect, you, that's how you create connection and trust. And at the heart of everything positive in this world, there is trust. And, right. Right. And, and trust and, and, and happiness that that makes you definitely happy. But trust that if you don't get that job, you weren't intended for that job. Just like an actor, actress is not getting a role. That wasn't their role. There's another role. Every time that you can ever hear them talk about, I was almost going to be this person or that role, but then I couldn't have taken this role. And this one happened after that. So trust the process so trust when you're out there and don't try, that's the authenticity. If you try to fudge it, it's not going to work. And you're not, it's just, you, ultimately it's going to fall apart. It's got to be really seamless in that way. So understand who you are and pursue these passions so that you can ultimately not only be successful, but when you know your gifts, opportunities you create for yourself and that the universe creates for you will basically guide you in where you're going and make you ultimately incredibly happy and having a very fulfilled life. Because career is not only work. We work, we work a lot. We work all the time. We'll be working Friday after Thanksgiving. We're working Saturday. That basically makes you very fulfilled in your life and in your career. So go out and find your catnip. Go out and find your catnip. Thank you so much for both of you. So much fun with you. Should I? I don't know. I didn't put mascara on, but maybe I'll take. <laughs> I'll, maybe I'll take our picture since we're all here. Yeah. Since of course, Spunk and I got dressed. Uh, I don't know if that's going to come out any good. Yeah, that we're identically dressed. I love that we're identically I, I dressed. Too, I too showed up in black. But to all of the listeners of the Catalyst that are still on, as this was quite a long episode, but an insightful episode. Ooh, we went long. We went long. It's it's incredible. It's incredible. Lots. Sorry, everybody. It's totally okay. Lots of gems were dropped. But thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, thank you to Marie and Bunk for coming on. I am so grateful to have spoken with you. I've learned so much. I've grown as a person. Oh, thank you. We had so much fun. So much. Thank you. So much.